This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. All right, and we're on. We're on here on Instagram and on Pet Life Radio. So, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be. If you are, if you went on early in the morning, you forgot to change your clocks, then you missed the show. But uh, or you're going to be late. I did that once years and years ago. I got up on time. Well, I got, thought it was time. It was actually an hour earlier. And um, walking around, I go, boy, the streets are quiet. Everything is so quiet. How come? And I realized I forgot to change my clocks. Anyway. Now, with cell phones and everything done for you on the computer, my car, Tesla, changes the time for me. So uh, pretty hard to screw up, though I did screw up with my watch because I forgot to change it until this morning. Anyway, good morning, good afternoon. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here, host for the next 30 minutes on Instagram, on Pet Life Radio, and here for you, here for your pets. So if you have any questions, anything you want to get a hold of me, now is the time to ask free advice, anything you want to talk about, anything you want to talk about pets. I absolutely love it. And I'm um, still having a blast doing it. So uh, I know I'm a, a pretty lucky guy. How many people could say they're doing something for 40 years and still loving it? That's a pretty fun thing, right? So anyway, here I am. So let me, I just want to make sure I'm waving to everybody, waving hello. I'm hoping you're going to come up with your questions. Okay, ha, huh, good. 12 Annie. Probably not your area of expertise, maybe not, but you happen to have an idea of how to stop food aggression. I have recently a severe, yes. All right, it cut off. It, sort of, it said food aggression towards my, I need more and more information. But is it kids? Is it another dog? Is it the cat? What is it? But the whole idea, obviously, it's, it's a discussion. We need to know a little bit more about your dog because six-year-old dog. Now, that means that you adopt an adult dog right there. Understand, not impossible by any means, but you have a challenge. Why? Because we know nothing about this dog and what its situation was. And why is it so competitive? So obviously, this dog was in, in some sort of environment where the, it was very, very, very challenging for him or her to get food on a regular basis. So here he is. He's a he, so he's a male. And um, so I, I assume he's neutered. I hope he is. Anyway, so what you have to do is you have to start making food, first of all, kind of a game. If it is aggression about from another animal in the house or one of your kids, then you obviously have to start by feeding them separately. But understand that the reward comes when, and you say what you do is you, you take their favorite food and their favorite treat, okay? And you have them sit and wait. And then before you actually put the food down in front of them, good, good boy, give a good praise and give the treat. Now what's going to happen is his food is going to be associated with a treat. And then what you're starting to do is you're going to have maybe a leash or some separation between him and one of the other dogs are your child. They need to know what, where the aggression is coming from. But the whole idea is to, they get rewarded for not, all right? Every time they start getting aggressive, you pull away, no, and they have to be separated. The goal is that you should feed him always in the presence of that entity, whether it's another an animal or a kid, they have to be there in order for him to get fed. So the whole idea of that is that the dog is going to have to look forward to having that competitor in his environment in order for him to eat. So you get to the point where you it's a lot of positive reward and a lot of making him feel comfortable. And you can sit there and pet him while he's eating even. So, so he knows that the food is going to be there at mealtime 
And yet, it's going to be better for him when that competitor is there and he gets a reward both before and after eating. And he gets a reward when he starts going after the other dog. You know, first of all, punishment is not, it's not going to work. But what you can do is to grab their attention is by some sort of loud sound, a whistle, a scream, just something that it's not really geared towards punishment. It's just getting his attention and then having him sit and give a treat, give a reward. So you're trying to make the eating experience much more positive. And it's even more positive when the competitor is around. So the competitor's got to be there in order for this to work. Very similar to bringing a, a new baby or a new puppy home to a resident dog. All right. Now, when that resident dog didn't have that competitor, whether it's the child, new baby, or a dog, he or she was kingpin. And sometimes it's aggression. So what we do is we have the owners actually prepare in advance when it comes to a baby, bringing that blanket, having the dog smell it, sit, smell, sniff the blanket, get a treat, sniff the blanket, get a treat to the point where now the dog's psyche is I'm going to look forward because that smell or that sound or that other dog, that is what's bringing me my reward. And I always say, you know, it's a mistake we always make. Usually when you have a, a new entity, you're bringing it to the house. What do you do? You spend more time with the resident pet when that puppy is not around, when that baby is napping or, or sleeping. Well, what are we teaching? We're teaching that resident dog that life is better without the kid, without the other dog. That's not what you want to do. You want to show them life is better with. So very similar here. Baby steps, have them together. Maybe you know, get them closer and closer and closer more slowly. But he has to see that the competitor, whether as I said, I don't know whether it's a child or your or or one of your other dogs, is not competing. That is there actually to help your new dog, this this adopted six-year-old dog, to be able to get his food regularly. So I hope that helps you a little bit. If you have any questions, get back to me. Next, Helen's uh, why does my well-fed 13-year-old border collie eat poop in the backyard at night? I clean the yard twice a day. Well. So first of all, is this border collie a male or female? Uh, is it always or her own poop? And, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes they like it. It's not a matter of starving, so I'm going to eat poop. It's a matter of, it's a behavioral thing. Sometimes they just like it. Sometimes it gives them some sort of satisfaction. If they've ever been reprimanded, here's, here's one good one. If they've ever been reprimanded for pooping and then they have poop left out. So what they want to do is they want to eat the evidence so they don't get yelled at. So I don't know, you know what the training has been like. I don't know if you've had this dog since it's a pup, but sometimes the solution is a couple of things. There is something called Forbid. Forbid is a hydrolyzed vegetable protein powder that when you put it on the food, it imparts some taste to the stool on the other end, coming out the other way, that is makes it objectionable. I mean, not saying that stool in of itself should be pretty objectionable, but you know, it's just, just dog, sometimes it's not. So I would do that. And then the thing is just, you know, you got to be on top of your game. Uh, you got to clean up the, the, the yard more often. It's a terrible habit because we have to, again, get licked in the face and co they come up to you and they want to give you that tongue. And you're saying, oh, get, get away. That was terrible. You stink. But uh, it doesn't make them sick. Usually they, they handle it pretty well. So anyway, there you have it. It does happen. As they say, poop happens. That's one of the things that happens. All right. So, Annie, so it's to your original dog. Right. So go through the same thing. The more of the praise, more of the reward has to come in the presence of your original dog, your resident dog. 
and um, and make sure your resident dog doesn't go over to the new dog's food. So that's also important. He shouldn't feel there's a threat. Your resident dog comes in, eats, and walks away. And once he starts seeing that they, because my dogs, I mean, all eat literally within, I mean, the reason why I separate two of my dogs from the others, I have two dogs that eat together. They both eat super fast that by the time the other one finishes, the other one's done too. So there's nothing, no food to eat. My yellow lab, he has to eat separately because he is a chow hound. He's a Labrador. And even though he's 12 years old, you'd never know it. And if, and the other, he wolfs it down, even with, uh, you know, a no gulp type of bowl. So I, when I, if I feed him with the gang, then he eats in two seconds flat, and then he's pushing them out of the way. The other two dogs that are slow eaters, not only do they not really bother each other, if one walks over to say dog A, let's say Marty, walks over to Georgie, Georgie says, okay, you want my bowl? No problem. And Georgie walks over and, and he goes to Marty's bowl. They get the exact same amount of food and they eat whichever whichever a food is, whichever bowl is available is the one they're going to go to. So they keep switching. They can switch three or four times during a meal. It's hysterical, but there's no threat and they get along really, really well. So that would be just take your time. Just don't let them. Right. So, uh, okay. So it's a female. Ah, so let's talk females for a second. Let's go back to Helen's with the, the coprophagy eating poop. I, I have a theory. I think I've talked about this on the show. It's mine. It, it may be nothing, but just from my experience of many years, I have, if I had to, you know, draw a conclusion, what I've noted is that when it comes to coprophagy, the males usually eat other dogs' poop and the females eat their own. Ah, why you say? I think it goes back to evolution. So, I mean, think about it. Dogs were often, or any animal, is often a prey to some other predatorial beast. So when mom has her puppies, but first of all, what does mom do when her litter, her puppies defecate? She cleans them. She cleans them. It's not just to keep them clean. I believe there is some sense of if I can stop this odor from permeating the air around, then they would be less attractive to a predator. This, a predator won't pick up a scent because mom ate the scent. Dogs, males, however, they want their poop to stay and they want to lay claim to a territory. This is my area. This is my block. So they will eat the poop of other dogs, again, leaving their own. So that smell can stay there as if they're beating their chest. And they're going, this is mine. So it's just an observation I've noted. And so when would fit here? So your female dog might be cleaning up because that's their natural instinct is to eat the smell, to take away the odor of their feces to not attract a predator. Not realizing, of course, nowadays, there's no predator, right? They're in a, in a comfortable, gated backyard. But even still, I think it's more of a natural safety mechanism. So that might be what it is, but still go through the same thing. Try the coprophagy, the treatment to forbid, and see if that works. Next question. Hi, hi, hi. Two films, the older one started this six months ago. I do clean the yard all the time. So it's the older one eating the uh, little one, yes, yeah, so it's weird that it's happened six months ago, unless there's been possibly, you know, some dogs, I said, just like it. So maybe it was a diet. I don't know if you changed the food. Maybe there's something in there or maybe the same theory, okay, of the two dogs, the male versus out in the wild. Now you're in a comfortable, safe backyard. So now, but there's still competition. So now in a sense, she is laying, the older one is laying claim to this territory saying, no, 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 this is mine. Um, this is mine. Uh, so I don't know who is she eating her own or is she eating the other one? Well, you don't know probably. But anyway, well, what you want to do is when you have two dogs, then you want to put the forbid into both their foods because you don't always know which who 
they're eating. So this way, play it safe. Now, here's another thing you can do. Um, it's a dirtier trick. I mean, the coprophagy stuff, the, the powder is no big deal. But what you can do is you make a mixture. Make a mixture of like really hot stuff. Cayenne, wasabi, just hot sauce, ultra hot salsa, and put in a mixture. And then when they're inside the house, walk outside and sprinkle this mixture on the poops that are in there. Don't pick them up. Purposely just put this stuff on top. Then you come into the house. Here's the real dirty trick. Take some of this stuff, okay? You know, maybe, I don't know, a quarter of a teaspoon of it and open the mouth of the dog who's doing the eating, the older one, it sounds like, and you put this directly in the mouth on her tongue, okay? Hopefully, she is going to not like it and she's got, you know, see, almost like a dog eating peanut butter. She's going to just try to get rid of this horrendous taste in her mouth. Now, she goes outside, purposely, and you leave it on that poop, okay? And she goes near that poop, and she starts to take that first smell or lick. Trust me, she's going to remember what she tasted. And she's going to, as much as I want to eat this stuff, I'm not eating it because I don't like the seasoning. And uh, so you're, you're taking something that for some reason is, is either neutral or has good taste to them. Who knows? They're not going to tell you. And then and put something really, really, really bad on it, and that, that, might, uh, that might do the trick. All right, anyway, it's at that time of the show. We're over halfway through. So we're going to break here on Pet Life Radio. We're going to break for our commercial breaks, our words from our sponsors here on Instagram Live. I'll stick around. We'll keep talking. And uh, anyway, don't go away, either one of you, because we'll be back in just a few minutes. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet Welcome back. Welcome back. Anyway, we're just talking about, first of all, I just posed a question just to know, just curious what you think. Do you like this standard time or do you prefer daylight savings? Do you like getting up work at 5 o'clock, 5.30? It's already dark. I'm not a fan. I don't mind the fact that it's really still dark early in the morning when I get up and take care of my, my animals. But because, but, you know, within a half hour, it's already starting to get light. But the, 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 I'm just not a big fan. I'm just going to think. I've already heard my first answer is no, stay on daylight savings time. But yes, I agree. And anyway, they also were talking about how difficult, difficult are you finding it to get up to your veterinarians? For some reason, even though COVID is pretty much over, I am getting callers. I'm getting new clients. Not, you know, look, I would love to, to think that they're getting new clients. Oh my God, you got to go see Jeff Weber. No, it's just that, no. Yeah, we called all around and they would just go in the, and look at any vet in their neighborhood and nobody could take them for at least a week, if not two or even three weeks. We're not seeing any new clients. Oh, I hear that all the time. Oh, I'm sorry, we don't see. So you got to adopt, these people adopt a vet. And of course, one of the things you have to do is get a, an exam, which they should. And they're getting, oh, I'm sorry, we're not taking any new clients. Are veterinarians that lazy? Do they not want business? It just blows my mind. 
And then emergencies, oh my God, you go to emergencies and they're ready to, you know, they can wait for hours. And I'm saying that's why so many people that I've directed to AirVet, that's our telemedicine platform, they love it because most of these things, I used to say 80, 20, 80% were not, 20% were emergencies. Now, got to tell you, I think it's 95.5. There is always something that you probably can do when you get to talk live to a veterinarian, at least allay the fears, at least kind of calm you down. No, this can at least wait till tomorrow morning. Here's what you can do. Here's what you can watch and, um, and wait. And so most people love the fact that they get to talk to somebody. Now, what happens when you call your the after hours line at your animal hospitals? There's a recording that says, hi, thanks for calling. We're closed. If you have an emergency, go to XYZ Animal Emergency Clinic. Well, you're going to go because you don't know any better, nor should you. That's our job. Or you go on to Dr. Google where, oh my God, everything is an emergency. Now, I always say there's an expression, you know, the horses versus the zebras, you're running along the beach in Malibu, you're here hoofbeats chasing you from behind. What do you think horses are zebras? And everyone's going to say horses. Well, Dr. Google is giving you the zebra. They're giving you that one case that you might see in a 40-year veterinary career. And they're telling you, oh my God, it could be that. And they got you panicked and you rushed to the emergency where you get the, the lovely opportunity to spend, oh, at least a thousand dollars, at least here in LA, just for walking in the door, it's great. 250 just for the office call. Then they're going to do this. They're going to do that. They're going to do stuff that you, you can even tell them, oh, my doctor just took bloods and it was fine. No, no, but we have to see because this is a, a new problem. And before you know it, you're lucky to get out the door for $1,000. So anyway, just guys, do some real homework. Dr. Google is not real homework. And it doesn't have to be AirVet. Find a telemedicine platform. We're actually getting better and better. State of California, and actually, actually in January, is doing away with the strict VCPR that it has now, meaning that an, a telemedicine doc might, depending on what the problem is and what drug they want to prescribe, they can actually establish a VCPR, that's the veterinary client-patient relationship, online, just like in human medicine, and then actually prescribe. So it, you don't always need that hands-on exam. As I say, Pictures worth a thousand words, live videos worth a hundred thousand words. And there's so much. I mean, my dog walks in my office and I walk into the exam room with him and he is jumping on me and just getting excited and urinating with excitement. He's, it's so, you know, and I can tell you what I say, what about what, whatever you're here for? I don't know, new client, but your dog's not sick. And right, they can't behave like that if they were sick. So whatever it is, it's not an emergency. It can wait. So anyway, keep it in mind. All right, how many months ideally should dogs be dewormed? I mean, how many months intervals? Okay. The answer is none. There's no deworming adult dogs. Puppies, depending on the parasite that was determined, if it's coccidia, it's usually a straight 10 days. If it is giardia, it's usually with fenbendazole, panicure, it's usually three days, wait two weeks, and another three days. Or what I like to do if it's really a bad case, five days, wait two weeks, and another five days. The Groundsworm and roundworms are the second most common parasite and hookworms and whipworms. Whipworms are getting tough. Whipworms are becoming more and more resistant to most of the drugs on the market. It's becoming a problem. But rounds and hooks and even whips, it's usually you treat something with strongid. All right. That's you know one of the medications. Nemex, they also call it. And that is usually I do it a dose, one dose, and then two weeks later, follow another dose. Here's what you have to be aware of. Many of the over-the-counter dewormers. Oh, yeah, for tapeworms, by the way, you have to have praziquantel. Once again, praziquantel. Now, some of the medications have that in it, even over-the-counter, which is great. But the way they have you use it is not so great. Here's what I mean. And let's assume, you know, with you puppies, it's usually just twice. Now, and even with Giardia, 
How did it sometimes get worse? It's because puppies are often coprophagic. We just talked about coprophagy. So they are continually reinfecting themselves. So during the treatment, you got to be really quick, sure to clean up quickly so they don't reinfect themselves. Now, what is the, the problem with the over-the-counter product? It, the problem is not the, not the medication. The medication is fine, okay? The problem is the directions. Now, when you look at the life cycle, if you wait like these, I hate them, once a month wormers, once a month, what a marketing BS ploy that is. Because if you take that same medication and do it two weeks later, then you'll never need it again, as long as you keep the dog from reinfecting itself. But if you do it once a month, you will continually need to do it once a month. Here's why. The life cycle is such that within two weeks, the eggs become young adult larvae, but too young to breed. So they hatch, they become baby worms, but they can't breed yet. So that second dose, 14 days later, will now kill those, leaving nobody, no adults. All the eggs have hatched, right? Could become young adults. And so nothing left. But if you wait a month, two more weeks, then those babies now are old enough to lay eggs. And then you're continually battling. You waited too long. You let the immature worms grow to become egg bearing. And they're always leaving eggs behind. You're always killing the adults, but you're always leaving eggs behind. That, and you, by waiting a month, those eggs are going to hatch. And by the time you hit them four weeks later, they have now laid eggs. So you can buy that same dewormer and you can do it two weeks later. And then you'll probably beat the problem once and for all. Now it's assuming roundworms and hookworms. Whipworms, I said, we're, they're coming up with new stuff because they become the Trichurus vulpes, which is a classic whipworm, is becoming very resistant to most of the medications we use, including the fenbendazole. So we, it's really tough, but it's being worked on. So ideally, you should not have to deworm an adult dog. And here's another thing that I, I don't know, it's my opinion. And I, you know, again, I get this one beauty of having my show. I can do give my own opinion. When people come in, and a lot of vets do this, a lot of vets do this. And I would love to see results of a of a survey when that adult healthy dog comes in and mom or dad comes in with that bag of perfectly formed, hard, normal stool. How many of those stools do they find parasites? Yet they can't wait to charge you an annual fecal. And I know I'm controversial. I am. That's me. But if there's if there's no change in stool consistency, if there's no change in behavior, and you got this perfectly normal stool, I'm willing to bet you that maybe maybe one or two percent are going to come back with the parasite. But if it is, if it's a parasite that's not causing any problem, then what are you trying for? And so therefore, when that bag comes in with that four-year-old healthy dog coming in for his annual exam, maybe a couple of vaccines, and they've been indoctrinated that they have to have a fecal check every year. Do I check it? I check it up. I take it to the garbage, pop it in, and there's your fecal. You don't need a fecal sample every year unless there's a problem. It's like, do you go in for anything? Do you go in for antibiotics? Picture this. You're feeling great, all right? You went to a, a doctor for some other reason, all right? Nothing related to an infection. Are, you, are they going to give you antibiotics? Because, oh my God, it's been a year. It's time for antibiotics. No, no different with, with fecal checks. If it's no problem, you don't need to do it. Save your money. Use it on something that's much more important for the health of your pet. And don't waste it on a fecal exam unless there's a problem with the stool, a problem with the behavior, a problem with the appetite. And then you want to say, okay, maybe there's something here that we need to address. And by the way, if it's something like just straight diarrhea, 
I guess, yeah, you want to check for, for Giardia. I get that. They go to parks. Giardia is all over the place. Then it's, it's worthwhile, 100%. But if sometimes it's just all it is is a probiotic, a stool sample is not going to be able to check for whether or not your dog needs to be on probiotics for a, a GI upset, a GI imbalance. It's only going to check for parasite eggs or a parasite. And in the case of tapeworms, by the way, you're not even gonna, often won't even see the eggs because those egg packets are rarely shed in the stool. And you guys at home, when it comes to, to tapeworms, you make the diagnosis before we do. We often say, no, if the fecal came back negative, stop being negative. I see, I can actually see the worms. Ah, that's tapeworms. And tapeworms, you may not see the egg packets. So you have to make the diagnosis based on A, finding fleas on the dog, which is where they come from, and B, actually you seeing the little dried like rice, they look like rice flakes, they look like dried sesame seeds on the poop. And then yes, you treat for tapeworms with praziquantel. So um, I know controversial, Jeff, but anyway, that's my opinion. Now, what's your opinion on a vet you never get to see? I have to ask you, uh, normal. Ah, my opinion, find another vet. That's how easy. In fact, I yelled at, I don't mention his name because we're friends. And, you know, look, people, he used to be one of my associates. He bought a practice, opened up on his own. I still see him often. We talk a lot, but I heard that he is still, after COVID, not seeing people come in the door. He still has nurses. He'll go out to the car, but he, you can't see him do that hands-on exam. And I told him, I said, I'm not going to mention his name, but when I thought, I said, you're still not having clients come in the door. He goes, no. I go, you are so full of, you know what? Why? He said, because it disrupts the flow and blah, blah, blah. They take too much time, et cetera. Can you imagine going in, moms with young babies, young kids, can you imagine going to the pediatrician? You're sitting in the waiting room nicely. All of a sudden, the nurse comes out and says, okay, Mrs. Smith, um, sit, you sit tight. We're going to take a little, little Stevie and we're going to do in his exam. I let that. Heck no. There's no way to allow that. And yet you're allowed with your dogs. Even more so, dogs can't talk. What makes us good is getting a full picture of what's going on. And the animal can't tell us everything that's going on, but you can. And you want to see the interaction. How many times have I found something on an exam that you didn't even know was there. Now, I have to run out to the car, have the nurse run out to the car, back and forth. That takes more time. That takes way more time, the back and forth. And then you're sitting in the car, you're sitting in the waiting room, and they, oh, yeah, I forgot one thing. And, and now the nurse has to go back. And, and no, that is it's so inefficient. It's impersonal. And I just can't stand it. So my opinion is you need another vet. By the way, I will tell it to your vet's face that he or she are making big mistakes. And that is what's going on in this industry. And there are companies out there that you think are so great. And not only do you not get, always get to see the vet because everything is done electronically. You walk in, you make your own appointments. You can't even talk to a real person. It's like trying to call Tesla. You won't get a real person. You'll, take, you'll never get a real person. So it's the same thing here that it's too difficult. And then after going through, finally, you think you're developing a relationship with this vet, even not even seeing them in person. And when you go in the next time, guess what? Oh, you see another vet. It is a different mentality. It's not for me. And therefore, I don't do it. And I think most of the clients that I have really want to see their vet. It doesn't have to be me. Sometimes it's the other vets that I work with. But there's continuity. Continuity is very important. I wouldn't go to any doctor that I have not seen and seen and seen. I, I'm not going to, every time I have a, an ailment, I'm going to go see a different doc. So um, to me, that's my field. Some of the ERs are not open 24 seven as they used to be, I should just call it. That is also true. In fact, one of them in our area, you know why? Because veterinarians don't want to work. It is really hard to staff them. It's hard to get any staff. We are looking for receptionists now, and it, it's, it's unbelievable. I don't know what it is, but in my era, people really wanted to work, and now they're not. Anyway, guys, I have a meeting that started a few minutes ago. 
and I have to get running. But you can always, you know how to reach me. You can always reach me on Instagram, uh, just Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff at drjeff.com. And um, I'd be happy to talk to you, happy to help you with your problems. You can reach me on AirVet, come here at Pet Life Radio, Dr. Jeff at petliferadio.com. All of those emails get forwarded to me immediately. So um, don't be bashful. And um, with all is well, you, I won't hear from you until next week where you get to see me kind of live. It says live on the top of my screen, so I must be live. But it's really me. All right. Have a great week, everybody. And uh, we will see you next week. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.